Welcome to the Light Gray Art Lab podcast. I'm Lindsay Knoll. I'm Jenny Bookler. I'm Chris Heine. And I'm Francesca Bushko. And this week we have an interesting topic for you guys to contemplate. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit how enthusiasm forms our first introductions to both things in the good realm and in the not-so-good realm. But before we do that, um, we want to give you a quick update of things that are happening here at Light Gray Art Lab. What's the first thing that's happening? So this week, we actually have a class coming up on Thursday night, October 15th from 7 to 10 p.m. We are going to be teaching the Minor Arcana. So if you guys came to the first one or missed the first one, either way, stop on by. We will be going through each of the suits and the elemental um, purposes behind some of the cards that are part of a traditional tarot deck. So we'll be explaining the relationships and you guys can have some practice reading. Uh, so the class again is from 7 to 10 and it's free and open to anyone. Yep. And so if you don't have a deck, we've got a couple that you can borrow here. Um, otherwise, feel free to bring a friend and it should be really fun. I really enjoyed the last one. I'm super into it. So we also have some game nights coming up, don't we, Chris? Um, well, we only have one on our events calendar right now, but uh, more will be being added soon. But the next one is Thursday, October 22nd, and the theme is Cosmos. Ooh. And that is could be in the space <laughs> sense or in the more ethereal um, universal planetary alignment That's all mystical the same. sense. Yeah. That's all the same. All the same to me. Tech or mystical. Okay. Both cool. are good. Both yeah. are good. And then we have an art opening. We are so ready for it. Um, on October 30th from 7 to 10 p.m., we have the massive, incredible opening of the Cosmos exhibition. We've got 100 pieces of amazing cosmic artwork that you guys can come and see in all of the illuminated constellations, astral bodies, planetary bodies, and all of the mythology and um, symbolism mm -hmm. and everything else that comes with everything that we see in the night sky. So we put together this really great illuminated exhibition uh, where you really can see the stars twinkle. You can see um, how we've done kind of a neat job creating our own planetarium. Yes. Of sorts. <laughs> so... Yes. Um, anything else that people should know about that yes, opening? Yes. So this will actually be the first chance if you guys have seen the Cosmos project itself. This will be the first chance you can get a deck for yourself. Um, so it is a 100-page or 150-page guidebook that comes along with 100 pieces of artwork in card format. And so you can use them. They're interactive. We might also be doing some reading at we the opening. We are going to be doing some reading. So if you need to know how the stars will interpret your prophecy to come, I will, I will show you that. Um, we also have a couple other things too. We've got a photo op um, mm -hmm. where if you want to go into space, we will have that ready yes. for you. I'm excited about that. Yeah. So I'll have refreshments, drinks. I, it is also the day before Halloween. So if anyone wants to dress up, you're more than welcome. Um, and then we have tons of artists that are actually going to be in town for the opening. So if you want to come say hi to some of the people in the show, that would be amazing, including Francesca. How nice, I Francesca. I will be in town. I'm so psyched. <laughs> it's been too long since it I've been to the show. Too long. So sad. We try and imagine what your face looks like, and it's sometimes it's really hard. <laughs> I have new glasses that you that hide most of my face. Oh, okay. So. All right. So I don't. I only have to remember what your mouth looks like, which is also awkward, but that's fine. <laughs> 
but it'll be really good. So we'll make sure to put a name tag on Francesca in case you also forgot what she looks like and all the other <laughs> artists too. It'll be really yeah. fun. We'll do a meet and greet. Um, so definitely come to the Cosmos. It's the biggest show of the year. We're really excited about it. And we've been working really hard to put this awesome presentation together for you guys. Um, I know all the artists work is fantastic. So I think you'll really enjoy it. So um, we also uh, have just announced the most recent um, group of artists for our December 4th show. Uh, it's called Bowerbird. It's inspired by all of the curators and all the collectors um, and all of, I suppose, originally all of the animals that put together a neat little package of things that they think are unique and special. You'll get to see 90 different postcards also available in print form, of people's special collections. So if it is a collection of uh, bones and uh, natural elements, or if it is a collection of antique snuff boxes from India, or if it is a collection of water bottles in the side <laughs> in the passenger seat of their car, which I'm not sure if anybody's doing that. But we have a lot of funny collections that are accidental, just based on the habits of people, but also intentional connect collections from all over the place, all over the world. So you'll get to see the, the special things that people enjoy. So again, that's December 4th. You can check out the big artist list on the Light Gray Art Lab website. Um, I believe there is a button on the front page mm-hmm. that you can click on and see everybody involved. Yes. And if you missed the call for art for this, and we're going to have a couple more in the next uh, month or two that you can apply for as well as some other artist opportunities. Yep. So lots of things in the works, which will be really fun. So, okay, I got a couple thoughts for you guys. So we have, oh man, so many things that we've been thinking about in the last like couple weeks. Uh, A lot of it has been spurred by the concept that we're, we're almost done with Cosmos. We're almost done with all of our summer projects and we're looking towards new things. And it's funny because we go through all of these sort of exploratory moments of digging through all of our resources and links and concepts and doing a little bit more research and trying to figure out what's what's happening and um i think sometimes there are a couple things that kind of come to the surface one of them that i'd like to talk about today uh in whatever order is sort of the the discomfort that comes with realizing you're in unfamiliar territory (laughs) (laughs) And the second thing is kind of the delights and challenges that come with introducing something new into an already established environment. So we think about science all the time. We think about culture all the time. We think about art all the time. And both of these topics, I think, um, sort of are are within our practices as individuals, but also uh, at whatever our contribution is to the greater whole of something. So Jenny was telling me about an article she read yesterday or the day before? Uh, Today. Oh, man. Okay. (laughs) And um, tell people what your article was about. So as you guys probably know, this week they found evidence of flowing water on Mars, which is fascinating. And lots of people since the 70s have been traveling to Mars to explore and take samples and everything like that. So there's an article that just came out in the science section called Mars is Pretty Clean, Her Job at NASA is to Keep It That Way. So there is a scientist, her name is Catherine Conley, and her job is a planetary protection officer, which is super interesting, but essentially her job is to make sure that every time we travel to Mars, we're not taking 
microbes and bacteria and diseases and whatever else and bringing it there and potentially having the ability to have it thrive, which is kind of scary that we're like, we continue since the 70s, we've been bringing organism that's there and they've been sort of like growing and flourishing and doing whatever. Um, We can't like see how many there are, obviously, but her job is to try and maintain what Mars is. So which is interesting because it's if we never went there, it would maintain how it is, but then we would know nothing about it. But going there, we compromise it it's and i have a similar kind of thing so chris and i have been watching idiot abroad and and poor carl pilkington so if you haven't seen that show it's great um i don't know what that steve guy's name is steven merchant oh yeah steven merchant and ricky gervais um send their friend their nice nice friend carl pilkington to all these different places around the world and sometimes they send them to uh visit places that are deep in the jungle where there's a tribe that carries on with their uh their unique ways and i was thinking about that because i was like every time you throw carl pilkington into this tribe's like atmosphere i'm sure it probably influences either the younger generation or the people that are there in some small way you know, mm-hmm. it may not change their culture drastically, but the exposure to different things. I'm sure when you got a camera crew or like some dude with a camera and then Carl <laughs> <laughs> or just anybody, even in a little tiny way, it probably changes both of them. You right, know, I'm sure it changes Carl. It changes those guys. And it and then you can't tell whether or not that's either a good or a bad thing. So let's talk about this for a second. So in your case, yeah, this woman is a a uh, police officer of of this specific yes. Role. So she she does it for like any planet, but, but Mars specifically because we've been there several times. And then with um with the tribes in wherever and Carl, yeah. Each one of those people, the tribe itself is their own police officer to maintain their way of life, and Carl is also there to figure out what he's going to introduce or not introduce into the universe. Right. So this is like, it's a funny parallel between these two things. So this scientist was saying, if we're going to look for life on Mars, it would be really kind of lame to bring Earth and then find it there instead. So if we're bringing things there and we go and we think we're discovering life, but it's just something we brought there, then that's really sad. So if Carl goes there and then the next person who goes to visit this tribe is like, oh, they're different than what I expected the first time around. We should look this up really quick, but there was um, a whole tribe that he met that is in love with Prince Philip. Did you remember that, Chris? Yeah, I remember that. And they have just magazine cutouts of (laughs) Prince Philip just hanging around on stakes all all over the place. And he goes and he says, oh, how weird is that, that this tribe would like Prince Philip of of all things? And then what the tribe leader said was that, when Prince Philip came, he had a good time, and then he left, and things have been great ever since. And so they attribute their good fortune to Prince Philip, which I find interesting because I I can't imagine. I have a hard time believing that that is really what they believe, but then you can't really not believe it because... Why would you make that up? Also, that's weird. But, you know, but you kind of are like, well, if that's their thing, good for them. That's So are fine. they now, like, this is not what they're probably doing. But if they had a photo of Carl Pilkington, like, 
Who knows? Right. Like every time somebody visits it, it like tampers with yeah who knows i mean it depends unless they have uh horrible luck from now and then he'll be like the devil version (laughs) prince phillips but i was thinking about this and, and so this is where i'd like you guys to chime in so when you're sitting around and you're brainstorming new ways to introduce things into for example artistic culture what do you bring you're bringing all sorts of stuff your perspective the things that you can do all that kind of stuff Um, or bringing other things into your own practice, would you call these introductions contaminants or would you call these introductions kind of like expanding um, your own or expanding something? You know what I mean? So maybe, Francesca, you might have a thought about that. Um, Where in your practice have have you introduced something and either had it go one way or the other? I actually did read the article that Jenny mentioned. It's It is very interesting. And from this perspective, I'd say, yeah, it seems like anything we'd bring to Mars would be a contaminant. But I was thinking about this past year, I went to China a few times, and I felt like there was no way, I'm sure it's, I went there and I, like, it's butterfly flap changes, you know, like, but I my like presence. That's your version, butterfly yeah, flap. Yeah, but that, like, <laughs> my presence there did not, did not have much of an impact on but did it impact you a lot crazy a lot like crazy crazy a lot like it and it continues to like it it like perspective is the best thing I can say it like gives me enormous perspective and one of the things that the perspective that I feel like is recognizing that not only are you not the biggest thing in the world which I think is something that people kind of get over at an early age but also recognizing that your the way you think about the world is vastly different from the way the majority of the world thinks about the world, if that makes sense. You know, it's interesting so like, about that. I mean, I, I, we talked about it because we were doing the first tarot class and we were talking about the fact that there is a moment in time where you both have like a sense of melancholy because you realize you have this like awakening where you realize that something is going away. Your perception is totally different or something. Something shakes you to the core that you realize that your perfect little bubble of a world has now been punctured by something that makes you rethink your, like, everything. Like, what you could do or who you are, you know. And it sounds like your trip to China was something that, you know, on some level was a big enough, like, you know, shoulder shake. Somebody was like, look at this. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, this really changes my idea about all sorts of stuff yeah so it, i mean what do you think bad. about that no it's not th- i don't think it's a bad thing i do think it's it's not it's neither almost it's like i like the for the first like first week i was there i was like everything was amazing because everything was so different and i enjoy that experience and then after like like around week six because i wasn't there for six weeks straight but there was you know i kept going for trips but around that time, it started to get to be the point where you're like, this is, like, you can't see the macrocosm. And it's interesting thinking about this Mars article where we're talking about bringing our, like, our particles or our organisms on accident to Mars. But if you stepped outside of our solar system and think about, like, if there are other life forms watching us or, like, doing their own thing like the scale of mars to earth is so small you know versus the scale of the solar system of the universe so you almost wonder like what exactly are we preserving 
you know, or are we a part of this giant experiment that is kind of happening? I mean, okay, so I I know that you guys are all familiar with the Prime Directive. Jenny might be now through Osmosis. Now that you told her. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so uh, for anybody that doesn't know what that is, of course, it's a Star Trek reference. And the Prime Directive is basically um, don't interfere in other people's anything. It's pretty much what it is. It's like yeah. you can observe and you can learn, but if some tragedy is happening on a far off planet somewhere, you're not supposed to go in and fix it for them because that's not your job. Um, you're also supposed to not, you know, I don't know, not cure uh, the ailments of a bunch of people. You're not supposed to, I don't know, all all sorts of stuff. Um, so yeah, when when is preserving the prime directive uh, in real life even important? You know. Like, if you think about it on a day-to-day basis, you know, would you ever say that that you would not help a cause for some reason because they need to figure it out on their own? Like, or you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I was thinking about this. I'm like, not introducing your own perspective into a thing can also be kind of dumb. Like, you know? Yeah, no, I, 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 it's, I think it's, it's interesting because there's like, I can't agree with both sides completely like say you like for instance you find a baby bird or something yeah right and they say like try not to mess with injured or baby animals too much because if you do that then you are preventing them from ever being able to take care of themselves so or like the mother ever taking care of them again right right so but at the same time you're like if i leave this here and i walk back on the sidewalk like an hour later and it's dead it's not yeah it's not gonna live yeah so it, it could if you ch- like step in and change things and take care of it, it will live, but it will not live how it used to. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure which is the best option. Personally, I would probably take care of it because that's just what I would do. But so if um, if you had a friend uh, or okay, if you had an acquaintance that was struggling and you gave a recommendation to somebody you knew to get them their first art job somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like the same thing applies? You stepping in and and being like, well, let me see what I can do to help here has changed their perspective about what they can do themselves. Do you think it's do you think that that kind of ripple effect is a detriment to their personal learning or do you think that in general that would have been a kind thing to do and they would hopefully flourish after that? Like, what do you think about it in that case? I think like y- I would hope your that the, the, yeah. the friend would like they I think it's good. I would do that. I think that's a good thing to do. And also it's good to they would figure it out ultimately. I don't think you can um, Yeah. Well, I also think like this is a challenge because it is easier to talk about this in like a microbe well, in like a kindness way where you're like, this is the kind thing to do and help in this way. Or if you're talking about war or something like that, war is a bigger commitment to like jump into somebody else's battle, you know? Like I think it's a totally different thing. But you also can't take every decision into being like, what's the alternate reality version of this? Like how is it going to like, what would happen if I didn't do this? What would happen if I did? Or if I did something different? You know, so I watched a, another documentary recently that um, is exactly about this thing. Um, there is a pastor and his wife that live in Seoul, South Korea, um, and they, after struggling with the the um, 
social situation that a lot of people abandon babies on the ground um, and some of them don't make it because it gets cold or whatever, Mm -hmm. they would walk past these things or hear about them on the news. There's like 200 babies a year that were just abandoned like that. And they thought for years and years and years about how to do something about it. And eventually they heard that um, a place in, um, it was either somewhere in North Asia had done uh, something called a baby box. Where they drop them off. They drop them off. Yeah. And so that, again, sparked a debate on whether or not he was actually helping or he was hurting by providing an option for people to either put their baby on the ground or put it in this box. What the interesting thing is, is that this documentary um, is called The Dropbox. It's really interesting. It's very touching. And they go through all of the, what do you do if this? What do you do if that? And should he be doing this? Or does this cause a bigger social problem? And it should be the parents and society's like role to step in, not this guy and all this kind of stuff. I mean, they go through every single reason like are you helping are you hurting and the funny thing is from his perspective you can tell he's very sincere about it and he's trying to help and you can also hear the staggering numbers of how many babies are dropped off in this box and you can see the the effects that it has on him as an individual both in a positive spiritual sense but also in a detrimental physical sense I mean the guy is basically working himself to death you know just because he feels that he has to do something because no one else is doing anything. So he has taken on the responsibility of all of these babies that have been dropped off in this box at his church. Um, And he's adopted 15 of them himself. So it's very interesting to hear this one thing has rippled out into, on on the greatest positive side, helping babies survive. And on the crappiest other side, giving people who could have probably taken care of their own kids and out, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But it is very interesting thinking about his one decision to help or not has also sparked this massive debate of how, you know, he's changed the atmosphere for people to have this other option. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I can, I can attest to any like adoption things also. And it is, it does forever change everything. But at the same time, like, what would the alternative to that be? That's, that's like, what he was saying. He's yeah. like, you don't know. You don't know. Because yeah. maybe maybe parents would step up and be like, I could probably do this. This will be really hard, but I could probably do this. And in other cases, people would be like, nope, put my baby on the street. That's so sad. I was yeah. just thinking about all the cats you've adopted. And all, yeah. <laughs> all the same, well, you same know, reasons. And in, a, you know, and in a way like that, I think everybody sort of has their like decision of like, what do you take on as your responsibility to introduce into your life? And how does it change your like your atmosphere right, because your, of like own personal ecosystem yeah yeah and what, what's funny about that is it's it is interesting on the flip side of this since we're talking about all these great examples of like how an introduction of something can kind of change or be a catalyst for either amazing things or crazy things so um this it's funny i think it was in the same night i was watching this other documentary about breaking the maya code and I was talking to Jenny about this a little bit ago. Um, and in this case, the field of research for understanding Mayan hieroglyphs were, it was very small. Just a handful of people during the Cold War were tapping around in there trying to figure out what was going on. And they had this 
huge part of the civilization and records destroyed um, by the Spanish like a long time ago. And so the the books, any you know, any proof of how to translate or history or whatever was basically lost when they said, oh, it's heresy, you shouldn't read it, whatever. And so there was just like a couple experts that were very scholarly and they had these like amazing sense of kind of what they thought these hieroglyphs were, but it was such a small group of people and they were very tight-lipped about it and they were very like serious about only sharing it with, you know, whoever. Um, And then in the 70s, there was a woman artist who was down there who decided to take it upon herself to figure it out. And so she and an apprentice went down there, figured it out, and and eventually expanded it to kind of invite anybody and everybody who was interested in helping to come and help do this thing. And what's funny about it is they, instead of having their like pristine, perfect clinical assessment of all of these Mayan ruins, they had like random teenagers showing up trying to help and they had whole families showing up trying to help and people that were just interested from all over the place flying in and trying to assess what these ruins were actually saying. But the funny part was some people might have thought that that would have been more detrimental than it would have been a positive thing, but they actually ended up making massive progress with, you know, people that were novices at this kind of thing just because they were purely interested in it, not because they possessed like some crazy PhD in like like anthropology or linguistics or something. Yeah. So in that case, what do you think about kind of jumping in with your own perspective, even if you know nothing about something, just because you're into it? Yeah, well, I think a lot of the time when you don't know all the rules, you're the one to have like breakthroughs or whatever because you're not following like this is the way it's supposed to be this is what you're doing is that good? I mean um I don't know if it'll like okay I'm going to use your pottery as an example if you're taking your first pottery class like the first time you have no idea what the rules are or how to make like a perfect bowl or anything like that and so your result might not look like a bowl or it could <laughs> it could accidentally look like a perfect bowl you know and so it could turn into something or it could just be a new way of doing it also that you just don't know you're doing yet, you know? You mean so, like like you would have fallen on some like massive discovery because you, you were like... You could have because you're not like every time I'm doing this, I'm trying to like recreate this perfect structure, you know? Or like this is the way that you decrypt something. And so while I'm like going at it from these like five instructions of how to decrypt things you're like discovering something totally new so because because some of the formal ways of doing things might have had restrictions set forth by whoever yeah or it it like limits the way you think about it yeah yeah francesca do you agree with that do you feel like jumping in as a novice is is and just being enthusiastic about your thing is a good thing i was thinking about all these they always have these commercials where they are it's like Support the children because they are our future, and Wait, they're always you like say? really award the children. Support the children. Oh, award you, you know what children. I mean. The, and they'll they'll have like a bunch of like little clips of kids like painting or something, and they'll say that they're the next geniuses, and they're always kind of really. Uh, what what am I trying to Do say? Do you shake like, your old fist at them and you say no? I mean, I used to. They used to think, well, this is like a trope. You know, this is a commercial trope where you have to put some kids painting to make you inspired but I think there's something in that and I I do think like 
the whole like kids the kids today might you know solve they might come up with something yeah yeah i think that's true i think that because new perspective is always a good idea you know new a new way to look at something is always a good thing it's not always going to work sometimes it's going to be a bunch of failed attempts but it's better than one person like hacking away at it because they're the one genius you know like i got an example that might might dispute your your thing so so Jenny was tapping around on the internet the other day. <laughs> she was trying to find some some reference for the Cosmos project. She's clicking on all of the astronomy and all the astrology websites and she's clicking on all the good ones and after she got through Wikipedia and like some scholarly ones, she clicked on a sparkly one from the 90s and it downloaded some malware onto <laughs> no, her computer. Some stupid virus. Because and I was Is thinking your about it. Okay. <laughs> I don't know, it's weird. It makes a bunch of weird squares every time she turns it on. But but I was thinking about Uh-oh. that. I'm like some person somewhere was like I can contribute. And they made a sparkly GeoCities website back in the 90s and put a bunch of viruses on it and said, let me help you understand the cosmos. And then Jenny clicks on it. And then all of a sudden, her... her What is their contribution, though? (laughs) Pure evil? (laughs) The malware. malware It's like your perception of like credible facts is now... Who knows if what yeah. you clicked on? Maybe that person's website is just ugly. Well, but is it re- is it legit info? Like, how do you even know? Now there's so many hands in there mixing around in the cosmos. It might be right? completely bogus, but I think that those that's kind of like just uh, that's just a side effect of trying stuff. Is, is that bad? Get, is getting a virus? Yeah, is, is that, getting a, is getting a virus? I think that is a side effect. Um, and is it bad for that person to put their stuff out there because they're either doing it weird or I don't know why they put a virus on your computer. No, no, I think not that's that part. Them, but I meant like if they build their own website and they're like, I think I understand how this works. And then they put it out there. Are, are you more inclined to say good for them? They are contributing to the bigger concept of astrology. Yeah. Or would you yeah, be like so. that stupid dumb? <laughs> make it no. make it some dumb I, garbage. Anything done with, like, sincerity, I, I kind of... Even if it's wrong. Yeah, even if it's wrong. Really? Well, I also... Yeah. So this is, like, making me think about the project in general. Like, we have learned a lot about the constellations and the cosmos and everything else through working on this. And, like, every culture has their interpretation of what it is. But as soon as somebody's like, this is a table, forever those, like, set of stars are a table. And, like, you don't call out the individual star... And say, like, this is this thing, and this is why it's important, and it has, like, a galaxy within it, and everything else. Like, you forget about all the facts of each individual star, and you're like, this one is the point on the table, you know? And so it I like forever- how you're using my one. I got the table as my <laughs> constellation. I got the world's, like, lamest <laughs> constellation. Tables are pretty Well, they're cool, all, they're right? like, I don't know. I think it's funny, because all the ones that were visible from the south are... Or sorry, all the ones that Furniture. were visible from the north, like from mm-hmm. like Greek and Roman mythology. They were all have like, like epic This heroes. one was this guy and he did this and he killed this other person. And then the ones from the south are like a tool, a table. They're like a triangle. <laughs> a triangle. They're all furniture. Yeah. An altar. So <laughs> they're, it's reflective of like the frame of mind, you know. It it's is. Funny. And I mean, I guess in that case, somebody had to name it and somebody yeah. had to Yeah, but as to soon as it, it has like a name, it is now connected to those 
five things or six points or whatever, even if they're like millions and billions of miles away. So in that case too, say you, say you stumbled upon something and I'm thinking about the Maya code thing. There was Mm -hmm. a, this guy in, like I was saying during the cold war, uh, had probably some of the best beginnings of deciphering all of these different hieroglyphs, but he wasn't completely correct. Just like how medicine is never completely correct, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's always getting better. And, you know, so he had all these theories about how things would work. It's kind of like how I used to do math in high school, where I'd get an answer, <laughs> but I was, <laughs> I was never right. Like you were 100% <laughs> but I was, but I was really confident when I was doing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Until somebody checked my answer, I was like, well, I got this answer. It must be, it was yeah. totally easy. And then, well, you know, what do you do then? Um, do you come along and, contribute a refining like like do you refine that guy's stuff do you do you take it and you're like oh of course it must be a table if only forever if will it's be worth a table. it again i think you have to like kind of go down that path and so you um, would scrutinize somebody's contribution in the hopes well, that it would i don't be, know if i would because would you chris I lack the expertise. I think it totally depends. Interest, if, if if you made one small mistake in your math problem and i could say oh you forgot to carry the one and that was it. No, no, might... there was t- so many mistakes. But yeah, I was going to say if, if it was so bad, then it's better to just negate it and start over and, and, and basically don't pay attention to what has come before and kind of do your own right. analysis of it. But what yeah. if, what if I said it, what if I said, I found a new way of mathing? <laughs> well, you'd be like, no, no. Even if well, you if didn't. it doesn't come out with the right answer, it's not really. Yeah, it's like, I yeah, found an answer. What, so what? I I did my math my own way, or or what if I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I all own. right? But I mean, say you did you did your math, yeah. right? And it seemed right while you. I remember this yeah, feeling, right? Like going through the whole problem and being like, yeah, I I got this. And then you go in, and the teacher's like, you haven't been doing anything right. And you're like, what are you talking None about? Of it Look at all my right. answers. <laughs> you step one was bad, and I've done that like a billion times. But the thing that I I didn't realize at the time that was that I was getting out of it is the critical thinking. So it might have been a completely wrong way to do it, and I would never do that problem again that way. My ability to work through a problem by myself has gotten a microscopic little bit better. Okay. You know? So say a student shows up to your class. Yeah. And Well, you shouldn't be teaching if you're doing that. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> say it's the like, opposite. I've discovered new math. Here's my school. <laughs> new all math. right. Okay. You say you shouldn't do that with math. math. There are plenty of people that do that with art. There are plenty of people that are like, I found a new way of making stuff. I am going to show everybody how to do it. Yeah. Well, how do, that, what do you have yeah, about that? Is that's based on a system and there is an answer. I think you what could, about the you old, could use old masters? Math. I think you could Being use a, math in a different way. Like the way I was doing Which happens all the time, I think. It's where yeah. the math is the tools to apply a new technique. So what if, so what if like back in the day there was one way to paint? Yeah, I think that was probably wrong. And then, and then you were <laughs> well, like, I figured my own way of doing this. You think everybody was like, you idiot. Nice no, dumb because, artwork. And yeah, then that person no, was like. I think like, lots of I stuff isn't appreciated till yeah. later. Okay. Right, and yeah. you think that person was like, forget all you guys. I'm going to make my own school with my own painting. Well, and that's I think what they that did. There, therein they did. lies the flaw is like saying think. you're going to start your own school because you tried something. Yeah, Not gonna... your own school, but I'm, I'm <laughs> okay. I'm using school as a. Start your own like movement. Yeah. Okay. So if but if it almost I was like, you get to do that though. Can you just say I'm gonna start? A I don't know. How did it work? You know what I'm saying? Uh, if some person wasn't gutsy enough to go against every single other established random rule, and they were to 
decide that this is the way that I'm going to do it. And I don't care if it, my math is right, but this is my math version. Right. Or this is my painting version. I don't think anybody would have would have done that. Or if everybody would have thought that that one guy, um, hieroglyphs were correct, no one ever would have challenged him and figured out the real way that it was written. Cause they were like, well, this is a smart guy. He probably is doing it right. You know? So, but what do you think about that? Well, I, I mean, I think I appreciate anybody that will take on things as a student. So basically going into anything saying, I have, I don't know everything. I have a little bit of background in whatever, and I'm going to try to learn from this experience. Like, I'm not trying to, I, I'm not trying to tell anybody else what's right. And I'm not necessarily trying to make the laws of the world. I'm just trying to expose myself to new things and trying to learn a new thing could be wrong. It's like kind of like a sign, the like scientific process of experimentation and hypothesis and, and then kind of, you know, trying to get some result. The funny thing about those scientific processes, and I, I think it might've been a podcast. It might've been an article that I read, but they were talking about um, how scientists will do these experiments that are completely insane. They seem like they don't have, like what was one, there was something about the military using umbrellas and it does that increase, I don't know, protection or something of, of the country. It was something really obscure and they were doing this like survey to see if that was actually practical or not. And it seems so weird and not very helpful, but I think that's kind of how you find out if something is Or helpful. if they're like, ketchup is... We're, we're going to see what the combination of toothbrushes and ketchup is for scientific research. Yeah. Well, you have to, if it's, again, like, I think if somebody has a sincere... <laughs> this is like, what? <laughs> well, if, if there's a sincere, it comes from a sincere place and somebody actually really feels like that deep desire to learn a thing, I think there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, so here's another question for you. So there are so many documentaries on Netflix about aliens and uh like conspiracy theories and people taking all of these like pre-established facts and mushing them together and creating their own reality of like is bigfoot a thing and is is there really a hidden alien base yeah, underneath wherever? okay so how do we know that 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 whole category hasn't been just given a given a head shake instead of like well, support and how do you know I'm, when people, like, I mean, every single person that ever talks about aliens ever, usually, gets the OU kind of a thing. But yeah. but at the same time, it's not that it's not that hard to think that it could be a thing. No, I, I think that's so, completely reasonable. So how come people don't applaud, like, a, like, certain kinds of sciences or pseudosciences or whatever it is, or certain thematic things, like... You know, some everybody's like, oh, cryptozoology, all the crazies going out there searching for like pterodactyl birds in the middle of Africa or wherever, you know. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, that's just the weirdos that do that. That's not real science. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, what happens when you find a crazy creature <laughs> or an alien? I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. What do you do? Then what? Then what happens? Do, does everybody change their mind and they, they're like, oh, a genius found They probably found do. It. Some of them probably do, you know, if, again, like, I think it's a sincerity. Like if you're sincerely like, you're like this, here's my reasons and I'm going to go do this thing. I mean, not everyone's going to believe you and you're probably going to get ridiculed. Probably but. are going to get ridiculed. It's right. probably why when they find like a Bigfoot cast 
all of the scientists are like, I'm not even going to look at that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. As long again, it's a sincerity thing. Like, I think a lot of people do stuff because they are, if they're trying to trick people, then that's mean. Yeah, that's mean. Or if they're that's trying mean. to get a buck from somebody for some reason, then that's mean. But if there are people that have dedicated their lives to find some, like, hidden creature in the Himalayas or something like that. Yeah, you know, go for it. There's, like, half the people that it. are like, oh, that poor crazy person. And then there's the other half that's like, maybe, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then there's a yeah. history channel that sends Josh Gates or whatever <laughs> to go and do that. Does anybody watch that yeah. show? I don't know. What is that no. show? Monster it's, Hunter? Uh, I don't remember what it is. Well, see, I want to believe that the people who are genuinely doing it, they probably are, they might be filming it, but they're probably not putting it on Netflix. They're probably secretly filming it. And then someday later on, we're going to see some (laughs) footage. They're going to be like, surprise. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know. I thought it was interesting because I think everybody's contribution is often scrutinized as either invasive, a good addition, Mm -hmm. a breakthrough, Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I'm, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like we're doing what Radiolab does sometimes, where they're like, anything's possible. You know what I mean? I hate that when they do that. <laughs> like, if they're like, all the opinions well, but, are well, correct. I think, I mean, this is a topic where like everyone will have an opinion on either side. So like, no matter what you do, someone's like, that's specific. amazing, and someone's like, yeah, but did you think about how much paper you were wasting? So there's always the mm-hmm. side that is detrimental, no matter what, and always the good side. Like everything you do has. I'm going to use the science thing. Everything you do has an opposite and equal reaction. So like no matter what you do, there's both sides of things that are being affected. So you can't just like do something and not have any ripples at all. So here's a question for you then that's uh, back in the beginning of the podcast, I had told you guys that I feel like there is the, a couple things like there's both excitement and panic that sets in when you're trying to figure something out whether it's scientific or if it's, you know, whatever else. Um, So the other day I was sitting there and I had a great idea and I was like, Jenny, this thing is the best thing that I've ever thought of. We should do this. And then she was like, okay. And then we talked about it and then we were like, but what about this? And how would this work? And where would we go here? And how much does this cost? And how does this happen? And both of us were like slowly (laughs) deflating into a puddle. (laughs) And we were like... Oh God! And so the more we, the more we looked into it, the more terrifying it got. Even though the the concept, if you just said the concept, it sounds really awesome, but actually following through with the steps to make it a reality became, um, kind of this this situation where. And this is a question: What do you do when you know the concept is great, but it terrifies the crap out of you? To, to start doing it. But I guess why does it terrify? Like, is it, is it because Could be it's... anything. It, it, you just get, you get your gut reaction, you're terrified, you're like, but if nobody does this, this would be really sad. But if uh, I do it... Like, if it costs you all your money or, and Yeah, see, that, time, well, that's a specific... Like, I, I have this... Or adverse reaction it's... by, like, people taking it the wrong way. That's not, that's Take. not our case, but what if, what if that? Taking it the wrong way. Or, or you're going to get criticized. Or it's not going to work. It's totally going to fail. You know? I think you should always try something if you think it's going to... Even if you think it might fail. Really? If it's a good, if it's a good idea. So the failure is such a... I feel like that's a small price to pay. So it's just simply doing something and then it not turning out. Do you, it's like, well, it didn't work. Do you actually I mean, listen to your... We talked about gut feelings a podcast or two ago. 
when you're terrified, do you do you do it anyway? Do you do I, it anyway? It is specific. It is super specific to the situation. If it is purely like I'm gonna try this new material out and ma- try making a painting, like say the say the cost is six hours, I would do it because like six hours, okay, whatever. Not or even the cost, just the fear. What if the fear is pumping through your veins? <laughs> I'm trying to think why I'd be afraid because I'm not going to ridicule. Ridicule. Or yeah, I would do it. I would do it. Really? What about yeah, you, Chris? Would I you... think so. What if it depends on what kind of ridicule? Do you ever? Are you ever afraid when you do something? I am terrified yeah. most times. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm doing all everything, and I'm ter- and it probably doesn't look like that, but I freak out in here all the time over every single thing that we do. <laughs> I, I like get anxiety now posting stuff. Like every single time I post a thing, which never happened before. I don't know what's going on. Even before I do stuff, I'm terrified. I don't even do it yet and I'm still <laughs> terrified. Like how does that work? You still do it though. Yeah. Do you do it? Chris doesn't get afraid. Chris is never afraid. <laughs> I didn't say that. Um, I, it's hard to think of an example of what this terrifying horrible thing is but right in the most most cases i'm pretty uh conservative i guess i kind of do what i know and do what i like and i march along and i do my thing so i feel like it's more of a it's kind of when you were talking about the painter who in the renaissance was just like i'm just gonna slap my butt cheeks on this canvas uh-huh. and, <laughs> did they do that and that's just my new school Treat of painting or whatever yeah that. it was probably a much more slow incremental <laughs> shift like, to get there with one cheek and then so, both cheeks so like <laughs> if it was bleeding. you know i probably would pick one new cheek. thing that i was working on Okay, sorry. Right. Before yeah. I just made a jump to something incredibly out of my bounds, I'm like, this co- this time I'm going to try this differently. Or so this you're time easing in. You're dipping yeah. your foot. That's yeah. actually what I was going to say. That's what I would do. I mean, I it's rare that I would just be like, I'm going to just do something totally... What if you've already done in- something similar, but you're still terrified by the thing? Well, see, I, I get terrified by how much is involved. Like, if I look at it from a distance or when we're in the planning stages... And I'm like, 6,000 things need to happen before this can become a reality. Right. Then well, like, it's easier and less terrifying for me to take it piece by piece than it is to look at it as a whole. Oh, right. If you're talking like a giant, like a big project, that's, I think, is a different than like, I'm going to try this new food or yes. oh, yeah. I'm maybe I'm going to about... get lost today. Like, like those have such different levels of commitment or uh, sacrifice. You know, like a giant project that then I'd be like, okay, let's get the books out because we need to figure out how this is going to work. What if you did all the math and you did all the all the sorting of all the info and you knew it could work? Let's say you knew it did work, but then all your guts were screaming about not doing it. Every fiber of your being was afraid and it was telling you a reason. Uh, like, no, is it, you're just you're just, just terrified your to do it. You're like, this could happen if if somebody else did it. You'd be like, you'd do a little clap for them, and then you'd be sad that uh-huh. you didn't do it. But at the same time, you 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 know it could totally work. You did all your math. Everything works out. It's totally possible. You have it within your grasp. It's not going to be a shock. But you're still terrified. Yeah. Do you do it? Well, I guess I don't know why I'd be terrified, though. Like, I'd, I'd try to figure... I guess if I didn't know why I was scared, I would try to figure out why. Is it... What is freaking me out about this? Is it that I'm afraid of making a commitment? Because there's, there's definitely going to be a reason. There's going to be something that maybe I don't even realize yet 
that's kind of like a subconscious screen. weird thing. Yeah, it might be your subconscious telling you the reason you're worried is this reason, but you can't hear me right now because I'm your subconscious. <laughs> <laughs> you're subconscious. Yeah. I was going to say, Francesca, what if you alone had to teach a 10-hour oh, no. class in front of oh, no. 50,000 people? Oh, 100,000? Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> and you know you could do it, and it's only 10 hours. No, but I don't know if I, I mean, could do it, though. I don't know if I could do that. What? Come but, on now. Like if you had this, you if they were like, show us what you do during your job every day. And you were like, I know what I do. Or they're like, tell us about Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, cool. That's cool. I wouldn't be the best person. But you probably could do it. Well, I would, okay. I would probably be afraid, <laughs> but I would be able to target the fear though. Like the reason that I would not like to do that is because I get stage fright and do not like talking in front of people. So I'd have to decide whether or not that was worth it. What? You know? What if, it might be. what if you get $5,000 from it? Mm. It's not the biggest number, but it's not the tiniest number. No, that's pretty good. I'd probably do it for $5,000. All right, then. So there is a threshold for when fear can be paid off. Right, but, but you know what I mean, though? Like, that, that is, that's an example where there's a specific, like, I can target the fear. So the reason would why I asked. Would there ever be a case for you that you would not be able to target the reason you're afraid? The reason why I asked was that, we were talking about in- introducing things into your environment and, you know, we were, we were like, it's not that hard to see, you know, we did an exercise a long time ago, um, it was a couple, couple years ago, and we've talked about it on the podcast before where we talked about like this, um, it was kind of a goal setting exercise where there's a bunch of steps on the bottom, like today, what are four things you can do? And let's pretend you did all four then what could you do next week if you actually had done the four things that you said? And then after that, if you did those four things next week, what could you do with everything that you've done in the last two weeks? And would it, would it open doors to something else in the third week? And then the fourth week. So it was a hypothetical scenario that assumed you would do the things you said you would do. And mm-hmm. had you gone through them, you would have gained perspective from each one to kind of broaden your your concept of what you were capable of doing you would have had some history for what was possible and and then it probably wouldn't be as scary but at the same time like when I asked you about whether or not you would do it if you if you got up and talked about Harry Potter to 100,000 people and and you got paid so you had some motivation to do it instead of just (laughs) standing up there for 10 hours I bet you if you had to do it again it would probably still be scary, but probably a little less scary, right? Yeah. Or if you had I to imagine. talk about, if you had to talk Unless about something bad happened. <laughs> if you had to talk about One Piece, then for the second one, for ten hours in front of two hundred thousand people. Why are there so many people? <laughs> you could probably you'd be like, well, I was I trying to think about of the greatest can, fear. Yeah. You, can you think? Can you think of like two hundred thousand people in one space? That would be the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That would be crappy. <laughs> So you, and, for everyone but then you you know you, you had s- to sing in front of 200,000 yeah people. then the third time yeah, you I don't had think to sing you couldn't pay me enough and then the to fourth time one. you had to wear a bikini so yeah no we stopped at one piece oh we did but but yeah. see if you did the one piece one you'd be like okay well just adding singing on to it probably wouldn't be that bad no but it would though and i don't even think i would like doing the one piece one <laughs> okay well i don't know i, I don't can't think, think I of would. anything else that you like so, well, <laughs> so i wasn't really sure okay well, but I mean, she could talk so about the Hobbit. Our, okay, the Hobbit. That would be your third well, one with the singing, because there's songs in there. 
So the, the point is, each one would just have a small, tiny difference between the last one. And if you did that brick scenario where you're like, oh, if I had finished this, this next one wouldn't be that bad. I've already done it. I already know what I can expect. Okay, adding another 100,000 people, no problem. Well, you know, or whatever. The, I guess the, the argument that I have for this particular example <laughs> is that it is something that I have I have like n- zero interest in doing and never would want to perpetuate like if it was a project that I felt like I wanted to go and continue All but right. like like if say you have an interest in your comics. you're interested in say it was comics. a graphic novel right that you or, had I mean I was gonna use the Bigfoot example yeah people yeah but it has nothing to do with presenting oh. because as soon as you throw the present, I don't, I never want to perpetuate presenting. Oh, okay. If that's a part of my life because it has to be, that's fine. But I'm not going to be like, hmm, let me make a presentation today because I'm right. Be my okay. Favorite. So say we were making comics instead. Okay. And then the. Yeah, I'd do that. You would? Yeah. And what if you had to make a. Uh, I don't even know how to make this scary then. Well, that's, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I. What would make you scary about making a giant comic? Or make you scared, not scary. <laughs> uh, I guess not finishing is what I'm scared of most. Would you be that. scared about about paying for it and then the like releasing it? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. I, I I'm afraid of those things. But the thing is that fear, and this is maybe how you feel about your project, is that that fear is dwarfed by how much you want to do the thing. Sometimes it's dwarfed. Sometimes it is equal. <laughs> I can't tell. But like the comic example, say you've already published four graphic novels and they're well, massive. Well, then I'd be like, why aren't you doing it? And they're amazing. Yeah. Say you've already done a bunch of them and, you, and they all right. work. Then it's easy. Yeah. Then, then it's like no question. Why would you even wonder? Well, what if it What if it costs you like a crap ton of money to publish the fifth one and you are under a deadline? And what happens if... Like all the normal things. What happens if it doesn't sell? What if people hate it? Right. What if you go right. to, you, what if you ship it to the comic convention and then somebody runs it over with a truck? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know? It's true. All those things could happen. And does, and does that, that fear stop you from doing the fifth one? No, because like also what if like an asteroid hits the earth? Yeah. Or oh, what yeah. if that all of a sudden <laughs> you get struck by lightning? What happens if there's a car crash? Like, so you wouldn't worry about that part. You would just be like, whatever, these are all the things that I can't control, so I might as well do it anyway. Right. The things that are out of my control, I, I feel like are not worth worrying about. The things that are, like if I actually physically do not have enough money to publish this thing, I wouldn't do it. Okay. Because I But if I you know did, you'd publish it anyway, and then if everybody hated it, you'd just suck it up and that would be fine. Yeah. And I'd be like, well, that one was not very good then. So it would or be worth no one liked it. Introducing a new thing into your into your repertoire, even if it was a total fail. Yes, because I think it's worth doing stuff, and the stuff worth doing, you never know is going to fail or succeed. I like that. Thank you for doing that. Now I feel better. Now I might do the thing that I said I was going to do. But, okay. <laughs> but I don't know. I think it's really interesting. Over the last several years, I think each one of us has sort of introduced something into our lives that we never thought was going to be there before. And it was sort of like one random spark flew in and ignited some weird dormant thing or some like hidden corner of our brains. And we were like, you know what? That's actually really interesting. Or that's something I'd like to pursue. Or that's something I'd like to think more about. And I feel like it's it's sometimes confusing on how that happens, 
you know, I think about all of the times where I've obsessed over certain kinds of themes and I have no idea where each one of those came from. I think maybe one tiny glimpse into a certain area of life made me decide like the other day or whatever. I was thinking about this in college. If you told me like everybody wanted to backpack around Europe and I was Mm -hmm. like, why would I ever want to do that? Mm -hmm. I like don't even want to leave this like block. (laughs) Yeah. And I would think about that. I'm like, at one point, what point did a travel thing hit me? And I decided that this is something that was meaningful and important. And I don't remember. I don't, I I, actually, I think that's really curious. Like I'm interested in learning, like, I kind of remember Chris, when you got into board games, but I don't, yeah. Like what, when were you, when did you decide that it was like your favorite thing? Yeah. How did that happen? Like, I don't remember that. I remember, I remember when you bought elder science. Yeah, well, it was it was, was something like, that was around now. forever, but I just didn't have anyone to play with. So I that's the main reason why I bought an iPad is just to play board games on it. Oh, it was iPad, yeah. That so was it was something I followed and liked, but I didn't really have anyone to play it with, and it wasn't until I realized that I could just ask the people around me if they wanted to play. And then it turns out that some people do. Yeah. That makes you feel better about my thing also. But it was something so. that's been around forever, actually, I guess, uh, since I was a little so kid. I've always liked dormant. systems. Yeah. But were you, like, as a little kid, were you were you into board games? Because the board games that were around when we were kids were not the same. Like, like Monopoly. Yeah, Monster. no, I wasn't like really, but I, I was kind of, I guess. Um, but I was also really in into mouth. any that's computer game that kind of, like, XCOM was, like, board game influenced. So, right. I don't know. That's funny. But did you did you play D anD D as a kid? Has anyone here played D anD D when they were younger? No. I did in high school once, but we did it wrong okay. because this this girl was just like, "Do whatever." Oh wait, I think that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> She's like, "Say whatever, do whatever." But we didn't have dice. We just sat there and told each other what was happening, and she would just yeah. make up the rest of it, and that's how it went. But that's I bet you that's because is. the dice were back in the day. I don't <laughs> know dice. Yeah, no, no dice. I don't know where that came in. I didn't even know dice were a thing until like two years ago. So <laughs> it doesn't matter. And then you went hog wild and bought all the dice. But it seemed interesting. But it also had a stigma back then too. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I didn't even did that. Yeah, it just wasn't accessible. Like I didn't. Yeah, I mean, it was something that I was interested in. With. But again, it was the people around me were not the people who were playing it. So mm. what do you do? Right. I don't know. Well, I think it's interesting. I mean, I feel like I actually really enjoyed this conversation. I normally enjoy our conversations, but I like this one a little bit more than some of the other ones just because, (laughs) sorry, Chris, he gave me the stink eye. But I, I think what's funny about it is it's, you know, introducing anything in general is like often a very terrifying and like kind of divisive topic, you know, like you never know if you're like hurting or harming or if you're disrupting or if you're adding or what you're doing, like what are you contributing? And I think that it was interesting to hear you guys' perspectives about things on like a tiny level, but also on like a global level, you know? Um, and there's plenty of things I just think about it when we're watching TV or if we're like working on a project, like what, what is it that is your butterfly flap or whatever, Francesca? Like how is that rippling out over, you know, whoever else is watching or whoever else is like looking or whatever else you are doing in your own life and how does that kind of perpetuate or not and so uh I would love to hear anybody else's like thoughts on that um it's really fun sometimes people are uh will send me a tweet on ye old twitter or send me a note about it so if you guys actually have some thoughts about how these introductions have changed your life definitely send it on over and we will 
um, have a nice old chat with you over the email. So where can people find us, Chris? Uh, you can email us at hello at light gray art lab or podcast at light gray art lab perhaps is better. <laughs> Either one works though. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. We're at light gray art lab. You can like us on Facebook. We're f- facebook.com yeah, slash no, light gray art lab. You can like us on Facebook where we have all the new events, game nights, tarot club meetings, all that kind of stuff. Tarot club meetings. What is it called? <laughs> I like that, though. That's fine. I think you should. Good enough. Uh, and then you can also follow us on Instagram, also mm-hmm. Light Gray Art Lab. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can, uh, now I've lost track, but you can also Tumblr. find us on Tumblr. It's the combo breaker, Light Gray Art Gallery. Tumblr.com. I still don't know how that happened, you guys. I don't know. There's a there's some like great art lab. I think Tumblr. we did that. Would do that. So we probably did, but but we don't know the password. For some that reason. is so dumb. It's like when you find your own name on like like lindsaynoll.com. I finally found that one like a million years ago. But isn't that yours? Yeah, it is mine. But I mean, like if <laughs> like my dad had one noll.com, and now who knows what's going on with now it? Now nobody now no no knolls have it. No knolls have it. Some rando has noll.com. Yeah, who cares? Oh, your like, dad your dad made it and forgot the password. Too. Probably that's how that happens. But yeah, Aww. so you can find all of our things. And, and you can also f- subscribe to this show on the iTunes Music Store. Oh, good, yes. And obviously you would after this outro. So professional. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you can stream it directly on Stitcher Radio. Great. Well, thanks you guys for listening to us talk about all these things today. And we'll talk with you soon. You ready, Chris? Yep. Okay. Am I sounding okay? You yep. can hear me okay? I hear a cat, too. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Give me <laughs> one sec. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it's going to be like this the whole time. It's pretty funny. She just wants your attention. She does, actually. You know, here's the weird part. You'd pick her up, you'd think. Like, that's what she wants, but she doesn't want that. She wants you just to pet her. She wants you to follow her around the room and pet her. And if you try to pick her up, then she pushes you away. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so funny <laughs> cats are funny it'll be okay people will probably really enjoy it and at the end we'll be like if you can guess the appropriate number of meows during this podcast <laughs> we'll send we'll you a jelly bean <laughs> yeah you get one jelly bean for every meow